0: anybody dealing with broken pipes raise your hand if you got broken pipes at the house just a few just a few okay good good Doug you raise your hand I know you got all kind whose pools messed up who's got pool problems oh my goodness oh my goodness well hey uh, right after I know she mentioned discover resonate but let me just say if this is your first time you should come to discover resonate if you're like hey i like something about this church i want to find it we've got just basically we're handing out a little booklet and we'll be sharing for about 20 minutes uh just kind of a little bit of the vision the background of the church this is different than our membership which is twice a year that we do and membership is more kind of in depth leadership. We we take an evening together, but if you <clears throat> just want to find anything out about the church, you can do that. You don't at this point. You don't even need to register. Just come hang out. There's a little bit of food. I know that there's uh, uh, child care as well. So um, yeah, got that pr- pretty music behind me. He's always he's all, he's like he keeps wanting to go. I can't ever get him to stop. You know, he lulls us to sleep. That's right? good. Well, we are finishing up the uh, Be Strong and Courageous series today, and that's based off of the, uh, the prophetic words that were uh, given a couple, um, like a six weeks ago, or a month, two months, man, it's already March, and uh, two months ago, and uh, if you've never got a bookmark, raise your hand if you've never gotten a bookmark with the 21 days, raise your hand if you don't have one. Guys, I think they're right there. Can I get a, an usher? Uh, Marcus, maybe you could do that uh, those those little uh, bookmarks right over there on the side right up there if you haven't received a bookmark with your twenty one days raise your hand he 's got a couple there i don 't know if we have enough but but pass those out while we 're doing that these are the year These are the words for twenty twenty one that we believe the lord's spoken over us. Sorry, maybe not everybody can get enough. I only had like four or five left we 'll make some more throughout the year, but we keep it in our in our in our Bible and Just pray of them all throughout the year. So theme verse, Joshua 1, 9. Let's let's put it up on the screen. Can we all say it together? This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Amen. Hey, I want us to pray over that. Lord, we just pray as we go into uh, this message, Lord, and we talk about some of the things that uh, you've called us to be strong and courageous in, Lord. And I know sometimes they touch on wounds and hurts, but Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would speak in ways that I'm not speaking. Speak to us individually and personally like you, like you do, like you know how to do. I ask that in the name of Jesus. So I took an angle on this series um, that might not seem nat- na- natural, strong and courageous. You, if you think about being strong and courageous for the Lord, you're usually thinking about, come on, don't be afraid to share your faith, brother. Don't forget, you know, be, stand up for righteousness. Stand up, man, speak, make your voice heard. I think we should do those things, but really, this series was a little bit about a different type of, of being strong and courageous. Uh, I shared a, last week a phrase that the Lord gave me a couple years ago, and he said, Jeff, wounded and ill-equipped soldiers are just as ineffective as unenlisted soldiers. Meaning, people who are believers who are wounded and hurting and ill-equipped—they're just as ineffective at, at sharing the gospel sometimes as those who don't even know the gospel. Because we've got all this stuff, and we—and you think about it. Think about those who, uh, practically, this might mean those bound up in sin. Sometimes that we've seen pastors and things bound up in sin. They do more harm as a believer, right, with, with what, what what happens. Uh, hurt from the past, experiences living in shame, intimidation, in insecurity, and woundedness. And here's the problem. Some of us never get out of that. We spend our whole life in this place of woundedness, insecurity, and we can do some things for the Lord, but we never can get right on the battle lines and be really go after it, because we're like, well, we're still wounded, man. we got some things going on. Believers who have not been discipled, who have not been trained up and equipped and not prepared to go fight against the battles, uh, against darkness. I mean, you, we talked about last week, if I give somebody, uh, a, you know, an AK-47, whatever they use in the military, I don't know, but, and say, is that what they use? <laughs> is that old? <laughs> the Russians? Okay, make fun of me. I don't know anything about ga- guns. Whatever. AR-15. AR-15, there you go. They don't still use cannonballs? You know, I don't. <laughs> all right, all right. I hand somebody an AR-15 and say, go to Afghanistan. And they're like, I've never been there before. I don't ever been to the, into the army. And you say, Here, well, here's a gun. Here's a grenade. Go have fun. They're going to be like, I, I have no clue what to do. They're going to scare, be scared and run. So, you know, I've spoken to a few couples here and, and individuals who said they've come and they've just said, I've just been sitting here because I'm just trying to get healed up. Just kind of trying to get healed up from the past because the, the, the word of the Lord over this house is its house of healing. Amen. It's a place of healing. And uh, I, I sh- we shared David, Pastor David's dream, and I just uh, it was so it's such a confirmation. Last week I shared it. And uh, that he had a dream in which he walked out to there, into the foyer, and there were just tons of people. The place was packed with people. And he came back in here, and he's like, there's tons of people out there. What do I do? <laughs> and it's funny. And, and I said, well, go ask them what they need <laughs> in the dream. And he went out there, and they said, we're here to get healed. He said, but they all looked normal. They, they, didn't have, they weren't lame. He said, but they all had little... Things around their neck that said insecurity and depression, woundedness, all that kind of stuff. I believe that the Lord wants to heal his church up. Many of us hear that word and say, yeah, Lord, heal them up. And then and then you're thinking, yeah, do it, God, do it, God. And this word's for all of us. Yeah, do do it, Lord. I want you to heal those people up, man. They're hurting and you don't even... Look at yourself. So we got, this is, we all got our junk that we're working on. But I want to just say, th- this series is not some kind of new revelation that I'm handing you. Uh, it's really something I believe, and I believe, I believe it's a goal, and the Holy Spirit's goal to peel back another layer of our hearts. Um, to do a little bit of, do a little bit of surgery, to do an assessment on our heart, because what God wants, what He reveals, He wants to heal. And, This is a really good thing, and it's a really tough thing. It's a good thing because we're a work in progress. We we should look more like Jesus next year than we do now, and we should look more like Jesus now than we did last year. So we're a work in progress, so we can use that as our our excuse, but it's the tough thing because it feels like we're always having to deal with stuff. And it's like, I don't know if you've ever gotten to a place where you're like, we're... Something happens, the kids are going crazy, and you just get, you overreact or you do something, and you're like, God, I thought I dealt with that in my heart, or or somebody said something, and you just dive into isolation, and, and you're ashamed. You thought I already, I thought we already addressed this thing. Why does this keep coming up? And um, what happens is we get squeezed in life, we have, we run into conflict, crisis, stress, and it all comes oozing out. <laughs> uh. Anger, depression, anxiety, offense, habits, addictions, they all start oozing out, right? You know, I, I grew up in an atmosphere a lot like this, probably even more crazy than this, to be honest. Uh, we were really experiencing revival where we were at, and uh, people getting saved and delivered and healed and set free, and it wasn't until my 30s that I realized there was something going on in my own heart, Um. I was in all the stuff, man. I was, I was praying. I was, I mean, I was seeing God use me, and then all of a sudden, I realized I had some stuff in my own heart. In fact, I used to be—you're going to laugh—I was the life of the party. <laughs> Everybody knew Jeff as the crazy one. My personality changed because I got healed. Do you know what was happening? Was I was overcompensating because I had this insecurity in my heart, so I was afraid, and so I wanted everybody to see the fun, loving Jeff, and I didn't want them to see what was really going on in my heart. And when God healed me, my whole personality changed. I started going, I don't really want to do that anymore. I think part of it, too, is we just get older, right? We, we, we're not as fun anymore. But uh, Joe, Joe. speak for yourself. All right. Yes, James right. Yeah, James Knight... Well, the thing with James Knight hasn't grown up yet. That's the problem. I know you do. <laughs> uh, Peter Pan, that's right. Oh. James, that's what we love about you, seriously. You don't you don't take that wrong. Don't take don't get offended. You know, I grew up a lot alone, a lot and I have great parents and stuff, but they were going through some marital stuff, and I ended up in, in daycare a lot. I was sometimes late till late. I was the last one picked up, and there was that feeling that began to happen of abandonment. Now this is what happens in in the, the the child brain. They don't they can't rationalize. Well, mom and dad they love me, and they're trying to take care of things, and they're just you know trying to get work done. The rash the the, the child brain says I'm being left alone. I got great parents. I don't want you. I always always fear because my dad is a part of here, back here. But this is a part of being healed, is going back and being able to say this stuff and not being like, oh, don't go there. It's just a part of life. It happens to all of us. We all have those things that are happening. And so, what happened as an adult, what did that look like for me? I remember telling Sarah, who I'm missing, my sidekick this morning. She's not feeling well. She's staying in bed. So we, we miss you, Sarah. She's watching right now. Everybody tell Sarah, we miss you. Yeah. Um, but I would, I would tell Sarah, don't leave me alone. And I, I, don't, I didn't like when she left the house. I didn't like what I felt when I was by myself. And I would literally just do whatever I could. Or if she uh, left the house, I would go somewhere else on my own. I didn't want to feel that... that you know, of course, the Lord healed me. But here's the thing: I was a perfectly functioning human being. <laughs> I was a leader. I, I had. I was a pastor, a husband, his dad. Yet I was dealing with stuff, and, and it's kind of like this thorn that I've got right here in my hand that I haven't been able to get going yet. You know, I was just a few days ago. I was we're, we're doing some renovations at the house, and I was showing somebody. Uh, Going about my business and said, "Hey, yeah, yeah. I had a piece of cedar board and I, and I took it and I was holding it up and then it slipped in my hand and ah, thorn got. It. You know the worst thing about a thorn what is is if you don't get the top of that little thorn, and so I grabbed it and I'm thinking oh, I'm gonna get it and it breaks off and there you are, you got this thing lodged in your hand. I was like, oh great, and I started noticing as I was, you know, I don't know making eggs. <laughs> spatula, holding the spatula, I go, ow, that hurts. That hurts the way I held that. I was sweeping, yeah, I sweep, sweeping, (laughs) and I went, ow, that hurt. I gave somebody a high five, and ouch, ow, it hurts. And this is such a picture of our emotional lives, because what happens is we're just going about our business, and offense happens. Somebody says something, somebody hurts us, somebody does something, sometimes intentional or unintentional. And, and offense happens, and we begin to handle things and situations and people differently than we normally would because of the hurt. And it could be, could be something from your childhood or it could be something that happens in adulthood. What I find, what we generally find, um, is they're interconnected. That many times the offend, we are offended in adulthood is because we haven't dealt with something in our childhood. And it's still lingering. And so it manifests in different ways for different people. The fruit of the root looks different in all of us. Sometimes we get defensive too quick. Always trying to be in control. Everything, I have to keep things under my control. Isolation, all forms of extremes. Overworking, underworking, overeating, undereating, overspending, fear of spending, drinking, immorality, all these things begin to happen when these wounds happen. You know, I was thinking about how do you feel when the boss says, hey, I need to talk to you? I don't know about me. Growing up, I immediately went to, I'm in trouble, I'm in trouble, I'm in trouble. I, you, everything you can possibly think of why the boss would call you into there. And you're going, I haven't done anything wrong, but yet there's, he's going to find something wrong. A co-worker says, as you're working on a project, and he says, hey, that proposal that you gave, you know, I think if you did this, it would look better. I'm not really liking that little part that you did on this proposal. And immediately, you get defensive. And immediately, you begin to tear them down in your mind, and you tear them down to other co-workers, and you start saying, man, John, he can't ever just be for me. He's always got to say something against me. All about you? Maybe it's a spouse he says, hey, what you're doing is hurting me when you talk that way. And instead of receiving that, you immediately go, well, yeah, if you would change this, and if you would change this, and if you would change this, maybe I wouldn't be like that. You see, wounds on our physical body are a lot like, are the same in our emotional body. Wounds in our physical body be- forces us to become all about us and self-centered. Think about it. If you got a kid in here and he takes a little pin and he's talking to you and he stabs you in the side of the, of the stomach with a pin. What are you going to do? Ow! You're not going to hear anything I said. In fact, you may even scream out loud in a place where you wouldn't normally scream out loud. But why? Because you're hurt. And the whole time you're spinning. now, now you start to feel embarrassed because you screamed out loud. And, all the, and now it becomes a cycle of how you feel because of the pain. It's no different than emotional wounds. Maybe that coworker is not trying to tear you down. They just want the project to be the best it can be, but you make it all about you. Maybe your spouse wants a good marriage like you want, but instead of trying to meet her needs, it becomes all about you. That's what pain does. Pain forces you to focus all on yourself. God wants to heal it up. A lot of times we spend a lot of energy, I notice too, in my whole life, trying to keep yourself from feeling the wounds again. I don't want to get hurt again, so what I do? I keep people at a distance. I don't let them get to know me too well. I don't go there. I don't I don't stay at home by myself. Why are the wounds there? I don't want to, I don't want to mess with it, so let's just not get around. Instead of, instead of addressing it, we try to keep from getting hurt. And the thing I notice that wounds physically are pretty clear about when they are getting better. But emotional wounds, sometimes we don't see that. But Jesus tells us a tree is known by its fruit. And out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So look at the fruit coming out of your mouth. Are you complaining a lot? Are you criticizing a lot? Are you speaking negative thoughts all the time, and this thing is just never going to get any better, and this is the way things are. People are always like this against me. I can't ever win. That might be a seed of a root in your heart, of a wound. And Jesus died for our physical bodies, but he also died for our emotional well-being, the peace in our heart. I'm telling you, he died for it. Isaiah 53:5 says, but he was pierced for our rebellion. Crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. Remember, last week I used a different version. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us our peace. Upon him was laid all of this stuff, and the word peace means wholeness, peace in the soul, completeness. So Jesus took it all so we can be completely whole, and he's calling out. But it takes supernatural power to do it. So... It takes supernatural power to let things go and really mean it. And that's what Jesus did on the cross. I mean, can you imagine hanging on the cross saying, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. When they were just, they completely mutilated his body. And he said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And what he was doing at that point, he was giving us the power by his blood to do the same thing to our people who have done those things to us. He's given us the power to do that. So we're talking about offense for a second. Carolyn's going to help me in just a couple minutes. Matthew 18, 7 says, Woe to the world because of offenses, for offenses must come, but woe to the man by whom the offense comes. The word offense literally means snare or stumbling block. This is one of the enemy's tactics to get us out of right relationship with one another and out right relationship with God and really get us off God's will in our life. Offense is in a sin. What happens is we get offended and we go down a spiral that wreaks havoc on our life. I always love speaking to James Knight. He always says a little phrase. He says, when your relationships are good, your life is good. When your relationship's bad, your life's bad. Have you ever noticed that? Like if things are out of whack, like if you have somebody you are in fighting with, like a husband or a wife or maybe it's a friend, like you're consumed with that. Like I got to make this right. I got to make this right. I, I just I, I've been thinking about it all day and all night how I wrong because God has wired us to have these healthy relationships. So um, in a class that we teach and we'll probably teach again this next year, restoring relationships, we put up a little, uh, let's put up that little diagram and uh, sorry, this is the best I could get. I couldn't find anything online and I was going to try to take the book and that didn't turn out well. So it's kind of cutting stuff off. But here's, here's what a normal relationship should be. We all have relationships, but it goes to offense. Every relationship will be tested. Every relationship we have is going to be tested. And we'll have an offense at some point, intentional or unintentional. But the healthy relationship says you go and you confront that. Now, it doesn't mean you always confront it to them, but you confront it in your heart. And then it goes to restoration of the relationship, and the relationship becomes stronger. You forgive, and it becomes stronger. An unhealthy pattern happens when we have an offense. Instead of forgiving, you move into this side spiral of unresolved anger. Hurt, detachment, bitterness, that last word is harm and vengeance. And you begin to go down this spiral when things are not happening. And... Let me just say, not everything that you are offended with, you should confront, because that would be that drive people crazy. Every time I'm offended, I just want to let you know I was offended by what you said. Now, sometimes you just need to le- learn let the Holy Spirit f- work through you to forgive people and move on. And not every situation can you confront someone. Sometimes those people are not there anymore; they're not even around any longer. And if you're waiting for somebody else, to to say I'm sorry for you to get free, you might be waiting a long time or forever and you'll never get free. That's what the power of the Holy Spirit is in you to be able to release that and and release forgiveness even when someone else says, I didn't do anything in the wrong. Too many believers are stuck in this downward spiral right here. I see believers do it all the time in the church, hop from church to church to church, I didn't get recognized. I found out the pastor is a human being. (laughs) Someone said something that hurt me. Someone had to correct me. Someone had to, my gifts were not being utilized. I want to read you a scripture that I saw this week 1 Corinthians 12, 18. But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where He wants it. We're a picture of the body of Christ. God is saying, he's put you right where he wants you. You're not here just because, well, I was just looking for a good program for the kids. No, that was the leading of the Holy Spirit. And that doesn't mean you never leave a church, but you should never leave a church out of a fence. No, there's times to leave. If there's sin going on with leadership, you need to confront it. And if they're not willing to change, well, then you should probably get out of there. There are seasons when it's like, it's just time to go. The Lord's leading us on. But when you leave, it should be a lead where the church is sending you, not where you're going in offense. Matthew 18 principle. Because it's the devil's scheme to get you offended and uprooted where God has planted you. The Bible says... That when we're planted by the streams of water, that we actually, when we're planted in the house of God, that we actually have leaves and fruit year-round. We're constantly producing fruit. And when you keep pulling something out and uprooting it, the tree either dies or never can grow. So let me just say this, when you start to see somebody... Something that, that causes offense, don't let it happen. See the scheme. See what the devil's trying to do right there. And just say, you know what? I'm not gonna get it, fall into your trap here. I'm not gonna fall into a trap. Choose to not walk in offense. But if you don't, I want to read Hebrews 12:14. We are living, work at living in peace with everyone, work at living a holy life for those who are. Not holy will not see the Lord. Look after each other so that none of you falls fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you corrupting many. See this that's where that poisonous root happens. Let's go back to that diagram. Let's keep it up there for a minute. What happens is when you don't forgive and you let that thing harbor it you, you can go into that downward spiral and here the Word of God talks about that root of bitterness. And sometimes I know it hurts. This thing hurts, and it's probably going to hurt to take it out. Because what do you got to do? You got to go get a dumb needle. It's on this side. You got to go get a... it. It doesn't hurt that bad. I think it's actually getting better. But, but that ruins my analogy there. But part of the reason why I kept it in there is because I didn't want to go digging around with a needle. I know how bad that hurts. Part of getting healing is going back to the wound, opening it up again so you can get healed. And it's not fun. But in the long run, you get healed and it feels great. I also want to point out that the closer the relationship, oftentimes the more severe the offense. The people we let in our inner circle are the ones that can do the most damage to us. It's been said, unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. It infects our soul. It robs us of joy. It consumes us. And God wants to heal that wound in you. I'm going to close with a story and then I'll call up Carolyn. Back when I was like 16 or 17 years old, I... uh, I was new to the school I was at, it was a private school, and I came down after school and I was just hanging out, and uh, I went into the gym and they were having a volleyball game, and I don't know, I think I started flirting with a girl that was on the volleyball team in the middle of their game, so probably my wrong, all right, <laughs> so started flirting with this girl, and... And all of a sudden, she missed the point because she was focused on what I was saying. And the coach was a pastor, and it wasn't, it wasn't Tim, David. It wasn't your dad, by the way, so don't. don't. The coach was a pastor, and he, and he began to scream at me in front of everybody, literally yelled at me. He said, that's not your fault, pointing to her. It's his fault. It's his fault. Get out of here. And, man, immediately I had offense. I mean, I was wrong. I was humiliated. Should I have? Yeah, I probably shouldn't have been flirting with the girl and ruining, you know, in the scheme of things. I was just going about my business, but right there becomes a wound. I was brand new at the school, and he was a pastor in a place of of authority, so that even made it harder. Well, fast forward three, four, five, six Seven years later, now I'm a pastor on staff, and I can't stand this guy. He's on staff. I'm on staff now as a young young man, and I am. I can't even look at him. All I do is think about this, and I don't even hardly remember the the wound. All I know is he is the one who hurt me, embarrassed me, and I. All I could do is talk bad about him. All I could do is, you know. Not be around him. I, I kept my distance because I was hurt. And one night we were having like a, a Sunday. You remember the old Sunday night services, right? Yeah, some of you old timers. That was a. I'm an old timer, and uh, had Sunday night services. We used to love those. And so Sunday night service, and we were having an altar call. Man, that Sunday night was the time you let loose. Normally, right? That was the time you just went after it. And uh, I remember looking over at him and he, from across the room and I and I just saw he was bawling crying and the lord was just doing something in his life and immediately the lord said forgive him and in one second it all washed away I was like okay I forgive him and we began to work together we played golf every thursday together This guy, he's older than me, but we we were friends. We did ministry together. I just saw him just recently. Sometimes he'll call or post something on Facebook. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. He brings things to your remembrance and just says, Look, I'm revealing that wound there, and I want to heal that thing. Let it go. And as soon as you let it go, you're like, Ah, why was I holding on to that for so long? but sometimes the thing is those things are so hidden that we don't even know that what, what we're what we're operating in until the Holy Spirit reveals that's the wound that was the offense, and so God wants to heal that so i'm going to invite Carolyn up here listen let's welcome Carolyn and uh, here you go, Carolyn and I love having Carolyn up here. She's, she's got a totally different perspective, and you're a licensed counselor, right? Does that, you know? And we have a few licensed counselors in here. I told her, we need, you guys need to get, get together and get to hang out. And you know what? I think that's interesting that we are getting a lot of licensed counselors, maybe because it's because this is a place of healing. Maybe the Lord's sending gifts to say, hey, you're going to need some help for help people walk this out. Because let me just tell you, I am a horrible counselor. <laughs> I'm not trained, and all I tell you is just go fix it. I'm horrible. I, I, I'm horrible, but I, I so think Sarah is much better. She will listen to people for hours talk. I'm like, you talk to them for three hours? How'd you do that? I'm like, I, I would have been like we 30 could, minutes.
1: We could start a small group with just all the therapists and counselors. I know. We will talk too much. I know. It would be bad. So.
0: All right, so I'm, I've just got some questions for her that's going to help us... Um, Navigate this now. Part of this is we're we're kind of ripping off some some band aids for us to start talking. We're not, I don't think uh, the Holy Spirit can show you, but sometimes it, it takes a little bit more work. But but He can do it like in that one moment, just in a second. So He might do that t- for us today. But um, so I, I have a couple of questions. How do you know, Carolyn, when something is a deep root of unforgiveness in you versus? Uh, maybe just getting upset over something or hurt over something? How do you know when it's really turned, turned into something deeper in you?
1: Well, you can have an unfinished or an unhealed something that you have forgiven someone for. Because what comes out of an experience of hurt, often vows will come out. I'll never be in this position again. I'll never let anybody overpower me. I'll do whatever it takes to never feel helpless again. So you may be at great forgiveness with whoever hurt you, but this ugly, these vows that come out, and also when something isn't normal in a home, kids form really maladaptive behaviors. Like kids that are real animated and funny, that's how God made them. If they're in a house where there's a lot of fighting, they become real quiet. So they lose part of their identity They don't necessarily have unforgiveness but some clues that you have something okay there's two clues for me one is over and under reacting so extremes so someone that is um, likes to work out versus someone who gets really emotional when they can't they get upset okay that sounds silly but I had a client like that. She'd work out when she was sick, had an injury. She was terrified to not work out because of some stuff she had in her about her appearance that she was ugly. It's all about to go away. This is all I have. This is all I have. So panicking, overreacting, extremes, you know, extremes in working too much, extremes in not working enough extremes in doting on children, extremes in being rigid and severe. So something's kind of consistently just a little too much. There's usually a wound there. Now we're not talking about losing your temper once with your kids. We're not talking about drinking too much once. If you feel bad about something, and you absolutely are able to change it right there. Then you just have some behavior stuff. So when you feel bad about something, and it happens again, you feel bad about something. It happens again. You feel defeated by something you do or say, and then you do it again. So it's, if it's cyclical, it means there's a little there's a little door where this thing can do whatever it wants. It can come and go, and you can't pray it off. So, cyclical and also anything that you really wish was different in your life, in you, and it just doesn't seem to really get there. So, like, I'll see couples, and I'll be their third or fourth or fifth therapist, and so they have a cycle where something gets a little better, but it isn't really gone. And so they have kind of temporary peace. Or someone will struggle with drinking, eating disorder, pills, internet addiction, images, and they take charge of it themselves, I've got this, you know, it reminds me of how many times I used to throw my cigarettes out of my car, that's it, I'll never (laughs) smoke again, you know, and I'm sure that whole ground crew that worked that one area between my job and my house was like, sweet, (laughs) free cigarettes. You know, okay, I had something a little more going on. Like I, I needed some freedom from addiction, but that's the self. You just see it again months or years later.
0: That's good. So um, how, how do you know when to confront someone about something or it's just something you need to let go and just, I need to forgive? How do you, how do you know? When, when, is that, when does it get to that moment where I have to say something to somebody?
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, so the main thing is we don't want to operate in confusion or distortion. And so confusion says, if I don't bring up issues, I'm being loving. Okay, because that's calling good evil and evil good. Because being truthful is good. If someone gets upset with you for being truthful, that's, that could be your fault in the way you did it. back. Saying something hard to say is not a lack of love. So that's a distortion of, rela- of truthfulness. But the other thing is you can always go away for a few days and think about it. You can always take some time. And a lot of times the offense will drop all by itself. Mm-hmm. Or you find out you were wrong. You know, my thing is I instantly would speak and go, oh, <laughs> I didn't mean I'm sorry. Because I found out I was wrong. The other thing is, if you have an oppressive thought, I can't say anything, I better not. If fear overcomes you, usually you do need to speak up, but again, you have to go before the Lord and just peel back what in this is my overreacting and what in this was a real trigger because someone can trigger something in you that's about your childhood but it's because they did that exact same thing you used to experience. So it isn't either you're triggered, that's your stuff, or you're wrong and you, you triggered me. It can be both. But the overreacting to someone or the severe fear to bring up issues or constantly bringing up issues. You know, I used to... I had a boss, and I really wanted her to like me. And I was, just, this okay? Am I doing okay? Am I doing good? Am I doing good?" And I asked her for so much reassurance. One day, she looked at me. She goes, "You've got the job." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I already worked there, <laughs> and I was, I was like, "Is are we okay? Are we okay? Are we okay?" So that's kind of the two differences. Yeah.
0: Well, this was one I brought to you that um, something I've dealt with before. Um, if you react strong to something, does that mean you have a wound? Meaning, I was telling you, it's about some people that, I, that sometimes I get around and I feel icky when I'm around them. Anybody know people like that? You feel icky and then you're like, um, at first I begin to think, man, there's something wrong with me. Maybe I'm intimidated. Maybe I've got this fear of man inside me. And I was talking to to my wife. We were talking through this. And just come to realize, like, they were projecting on me. I was... They were projecting on me. And I was feeling icky about myself. And I walked away feeling bad about myself. Like, man, there's something wrong with me. They're a strong personality. They're going... And then I realized, oh, my goodness, they were... That that was them. And I just didn't like being around it. Um, Mm -hmm. So... how, if if you react to something, does it always mean that there is a wound there?
1: No. See, I would say you had a discernment. So your spirit went ugh. So a discernment, you know, leads you to places where, Lord, what what are you? What do you want me to do with this reaction? So really, if if you know we get angry, but we don't sin, you know, that's kind of the prize is to feel your feelings. But to also moderately, you know, that's the goal, is a moderate expression. So I'm going to tell you I'm mad, but I'm not going to be intense or sarcastic. Or I'm going to tell you I'm uncomfortable, but I'm going to make sure I don't embarrass you when I do it. And I'm going to wait a day or two and wrangle myself. And so if you have a discernment, a lot of times the Lord is showing you something about someone, you know, and boundaries help you evaluate things like, the situation to go away and go, oh, what's wrong with me? I'm not like them. Well, wait a minute. Do I want to be like that? Mm. How do I, what do I think about it? Well, I'm going to talk this, talk this through with some people. So it's actually very good natural boundaries is to kind of talk through it with somebody, um, you know, because we have to normalize things. The problem with feelings is they present themselves as facts. This is a fact. And we'll take a feeling and run with it where another person can come in, like he processed that through with some friends. And Sarah and they're like, "Mm, I don't think you are off there. That's your radar. That's your discernment. Mm. And so feeling uneasy can be a sign that you have, like, your self-esteem is poked. Feeling uneasy could be about a wound. Like if you hear everybody talking about, oh, we went to lunch, this great place last week, and you thought, well, I didn't get invited. Well, why didn't I get it? Why didn't I, you know? So that's obviously a wound. So overreacting can also be just a quiet thing in your head. You know, overreacting can be something that you just, a thought that's not good for you. And underreacting. So if you're in your office and someone mistreats you and you're nice about it, and someone else comes up and goes, that didn't make you mad? You're like, "No, I just want to have peace." Well, underreacting is a sign of mm. trauma. So someone is being inappropriate around you, unkind, someone's scary, and you're and they're like, "Gosh, how do you work for him? He's crazy. How do you put up with that?" And you're like, "Oh, I'm just chilled out now. You got something wrong with you."
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, once you identify the wound, the offense, in a biblical way how do you how do you begin working through that and dealing with it
1: well so we'll talk about layers first layer is we think there's something wrong with me and then the next layer is okay there is but i may not be able to change myself but the holy spirit can i may not be able to change myself but i can be changed And so you still haven't changed, but the first thing you add is hope. Mm. Because remember, the enemy isn't after trying to get, you know, get Amy and Brian to fight with each other. We think, oh, the enemy wanted us to fight. That's not what he's after. He's big picture. Right? And so he's after all the ministry that's in you. Mm -hmm. Because if you're angry or you're sad or you're lonely, it starts to, it has a real oppressive effect on people. And the big picture is, listen, the enemy comes and he gets in your ear and he says, "When you're well, listen, when you're a new Christian, like you're shot out of a cannon, I'm going to go conquer the world. Woo-woo, God's all good all the time. And then you have a couple of bad things happen. And that fire just comes down a little and it's like, well, God's almost always good. Well, he's usually good. So guess what? As as subtle as that is, it's an offense with God. So when you lose your zeal and your passion, there's a Mm. subtle little, the enemy who's the accuser, he's accused the father to you, well, God, God missed it. Well, God's not happy with me. Well, God's given me this plan B life. But that's okay. I love him. I'll take it. That's an offense with God. And that's what the enemy's after, because once he's got you there, he can do anything he wants. And so think about in Scripture where he's talking about Israel, where he says, "I'll I'll take her into the wilderness, and I will speak tender mercy to her at her place of suffering, her valley of Achor, and I'll remind her where she fell in love with me. And so God wants to take you to your valley of Mm acor, and remind you where you fell in love with him, where you thought God can do anything and I can do anything. Mm. And so what he does is the accuser comes and he steals that joy and confidence. And he says, well, maybe you better make this work. You better take this on yourself. You need to try harder. Or who are you? to have that kind of a big dream you need to let that go and so we subtly we get that little offense with god and then we come in that subtle agreement to a plan b and that's what the enemy's really after with offense so
0: wow that's good um that's good
1: i said was that even what you asked me <laughs>
0: Uh, what if What if the person isn't here anymore? they're not accessible? How do you make things right are or you, are you at their will? you know
1: Well, usually, even if someone's still alive, you may not talk to them about your wound. So it isn't really you know, if we were doing like traditional healing, you'd have to go confront that person and call them out. but with the Holy Spirit. He often will call you into a place of making peace with yourself. Mm-hmm. And and that other person, he'll deal with them. And the only problem in someone being gone is a lot of times we'll kind of idealize or revise who someone was. And a lot of times the problem in getting to things, getting to roots, is we have a, a revisionist, history of our family we want i want to see my mom a certain way i want to see my family a certain way and i'm just going to and so people can't ever really get to their stuff and once someone dies a lot of times we idealize them even more but the the wound is in you it's not on that other person and it's not up to them to change and if that's another thing the enemy comes and says well you can't get better because your family still has a favorite, and it's not you. You're not going to get better until your family recognizes you. Well, you're not going to get free until your husband quits drinking. You, so the enemy comes and he says, if that person was just a little different, you would feel better. You could, you could take off running. And so then what happens is we come under the authority of that thought that some person... Is got my freedom all tied up in their hands.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Wow. Well, why, why bring up the past? In, that, in the past, in the past, shouldn't we just let it be? Well,
1: if we don't talk about the past, I can't make my house payment. I'm a licensed counselor. <laughs> so, got to. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, sorry. All right. Okay, the reason you have to bring the past up is because it's puzzle pieces, right? It's puzzle pieces. And listen, people go through a whole lot that can't get fixed. We're not saying here's this magic. You know, people lose children. They lose spouses. They go through horrible things, okay? And we have to first humble ourselves before the Lord. And if he wants you to go back there You need to bend your will and say, I'll go anywhere. I had a client one time that he got on his face in my office and he said, Lord, blank check. And he was saying, whatever I have to feel, whatever I have to remember, I don't want to look at pornographic images anymore. I don't care what I have to do to get there. Wow. And he got radically free because... We have to go back. And listen, my mother and dad had terrible regret about how they raised me. And I already have regret about my kids. They haven't even left home yet. It's not if. <laughs> There's something back there in the way you were raised. It's what was it. And your parents, it, they might be the first ones to admit, I wish I had done some things differently. You know, And so we're going back there to redeem... And going back there to reclaim what the Lord had meant for us. And also, what you go through, everything we go through, even the things that really might get redeemed in the next life, you know, like a death, a tragedy, a divorce, the Lord wants you to let everything you experience be so you would know Him. Yeah. So that we would know Him more. And so going back to the past, you have to drop your pride. Oh, I had this kind of family. Well, you probably did have a great family. And you know what? If people were in it, they did some things wrong. Okay? And so you have to drop your pride. And you have to humble yourself before the Lord and say, you know what? I do have some stuff I should work on. And if that's where it came from, I'm all in, God.
0: Yeah. Is there any good that comes out of offense and conflict? Is there some things that God wants to use it for?
1: Um, Well, it depends on how long you linger in it. So there's offense, and then there's a spirit of offense, right? And so if I get offended, it may be because you did something offensive. But you have to quickly, 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 like, okay, no, it's not going to linger. I'm not going to allow that. And so offense is a sign that someone has stepped on your toes. They've crossed boundaries. Offense, you know, discomfort is a good radar for when someone's out of order around you. But if you become offensive, don't get offended, don't give offense. If you become offensive, then you've, then you've fallen into sin. But offense is a good red flag, like yeah. burp, burp.
0: So, I mean, there's for me, I know I've learned a lot of self-talk and I know it sounds unspiritual, but it's me. It's really not just even self-talk. It's self-talk with the Lord. When something comes my way and I get offended, um, I start to talk to myself like, why, Lord, they didn't mean anything by that. that. That wasn't what they were trying to do. Or that, I'm not, they're not abandoning me. They're not leaving me. I I refuse to fall into that trap. And so part of that was when you, when you have that wound revealed and you said half of the, what what were you said the other day? 50% of the healing is the... It's
1: just the exposure. As soon as you know, wow, this came from here, 50% of the work's over. So people think, oh, I'm going to work on this for years. Oh, I'm so messed up. But once you realize, here's what this is, here's what I'm doing, here's the root, here's kind of where it came from, 50% of the work's done. And so then the cleaning out the wound, telling your story, comes next, and then changing all the bad behaviors. So think about the thorn You know, in in Pastor Jeff's hand, you form a lot of behaviors to keep people away from a wound. You know, you form a lot of bad behaviors accidentally in a house where there's someone that rages, someone that's absent, someone that's depressed. Kids form behavior around what they grow up with, and then those behaviors leave home with you and you have to dismantle whatever you formed around Mm. your root or your wound. But once you've identified it, you can. Instead of throwing your cigarettes out the car window, you know, once a week, you throw them away one time and you don't buy anymore because the root came out. Yeah, so. that's good.
0: So we're going to pray here. But what I, before we do, I want you to talk, talk this, so we're starting a series of, of workshops that you're going to be teaching once a month on Saturday mornings called, do um, we have that? Healing the spirit, but I don't know if you can go back to the slide up there. Yeah. And the first one is overcoming fear. But you want you talk to us. What's your kind of plan with these? And you can sign up on our website if you want to be a part of it. just a couple hours. Right.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, the series, it's it's kind of an equipping series, but really it's to take very common things fear, despair, unforgiveness sharp edges it's to take those things and force them into the light and to call them out for what they are these are are false limits on your life and let's figure out why it gets to be there let's figure out where it came from let's get practical tools to dismantle things that we really need to change and it's just practical tools to equip And last year, the Lord gave me a word about Resonate that it was a place where God was going to deliver the deliverers and heal the healers. Yeah. And so that practical, you know, God's so practical. Think about it. When he came into a group, Jesus would feed people first. So this is just practical. Mm -hmm. It's information. And also, you know, it's, it's just, I think, in the spirit of Resonate, you know, the word keeps coming forward over and over that resonate is a hospital mm-hmm. and it's a healing place. Yeah.
0: So, March 27th, you can sign up on our website to do that. But here's how I want us to do let's all stand up and as we, we finish. And, Carolyn, I'd like you to re- just lead us in prayer. And um, I don't know if there's anything the Lord's leading you to do to, uh, you know, sometimes we open this stuff up, but it, it God can do something right now, but sometimes it, it takes a little bit of time also for Him to, to, to reveal that. So, okay, so go ahead.
1: So, this morning I was praying about this and praying about wounds, and the Lord brought to my mind two things. He said, if people are less zealous, less passionate, and less excited, first I want them to just say, hey, Lord, whatever accusation or offense, The enemy has brought me about you. Any accusation, any offense, he's brought me about the plan for my life. That I was wrong. There's not a good plan for my life. That we just want to come out of agreement with a God who has plan B. Mm. A God who's usually good. You know, we're just going to break that off. And so, Lord, we come before you. And first we celebrate that you're faithful you're faithful you're merciful you're good and you cannot change you're the same yesterday today and forever and you are not a man that you could lie and lord i thank you and just bring to mind any loss of passion vision excitement lord any place where we lost our giftedness our heart to share the gospel our heart to serve a fire to be involved, an excitement to be at church. Lord, wherever the fire got, wherever the fire got contained or lessened, there was an accusation against you. And Lord, we lay any, any agreement down that you're not that same powerful, passionate, gracious God We lay it down. And just, I'm going to be quiet for a minute and just lay down any pride. I don't have things to work on. My family's fine. That was a long time ago. Why do we have to talk about this? I just want to encourage you to pray and repent for pride and control if it's there. Yes. Lord God, I agree with you that you rebuke the devourer for our sake. Yeah. You rebuke the devourer for our sake and you came to set the captives free. And Lord, we are all at the top of a wave that's about to crest. You're about to just come through here like a wave, Lord. You're about to come through these people Lord, and you're going to deliver the deliverers and you're going to heal the healers and you're going to evangelize the evangelists, Lord. And you're here to shepherd shepherds and you're here to reclaim fire. You're here to reclaim power. You're here to reclaim vision. And Lord, where the vision is posted clearly, loudly, let us be bold. But Lord, let us not perish for lack of vision. Let us not perish for lack of knowledge. And I bless, I bless, I bless from the top of your heads to the soles of your feet. I plead the blood of Jesus Christ. And I say clarity, awareness, discernment. I call you forward in this season of healing and equipping and a season of redeeming, redeeming excitement, redeeming giftedness, redeeming ministry vision, redeeming. In Jesus' name,
0: amen 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 let's give god praise you know i just um thank you carolyn thank you so much it's just such, you're such a blessing and love you i just was as i was praying i just felt the lord just say he wanted to tell you that um, he needs your your gift and your in your life for the kingdom of God. And, um, don't let these things keep you from that. I mean, you got to get vigilant about it. Like I'm not going to let this addiction steal my destiny. I'm not going to let this pain and this bitterness steal my destiny. I'm not going to let these woundedness. I'm not going to, I want to be different. I don't, I, I want to say like Jesus said, there's the enemy